Welcome back, podcast listeners. It's great to have you here. My name is Dr. Michael Gray, and I'm the headmaster of Hereford Cathedral School. And you're listening to HCS, Helping Children Succeed, a podcast series where we talk about the important topics of life, which will help our young people to be real world ready and to be equipped for a rapidly changing world. I've been really excited about today's show for some time because we're joined by Daryl Kofkin, who is Senior Lecturer in Social Entrepreneurship at the University of Westminster, a Fellow of the Higher Education Academy and founder of Shibuka, an NGO registered in Rwanda to support the sustainable development of young entrepreneurs. Daryl, it's really lovely to have you on the show today. Great to be here, Michael. Thank you for inviting me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And I wonder if you could maybe kick off by telling us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your journey in life so far. Thank you very much. Well, um, oh, where do I start? My upbringing was um, fairly normal, I guess. I was born in, in, in just outside London, but at the age of nine, ten, I moved to, uh, to Norfolk. Um, but I moved to a very different environment there and, um, and came from a very different background to the other children there. So um, I, I learned a lot there. I learned a lot there about being resilient and being determined. And I had parents that would always encourage me to look at life in a different way. And I guess from there, you know, I, I went to university and studied, studied marketing and business. And I always wanted to be um, in marketing. My father was a sales manager for an organization. So marketing and sales was in my blood. Um, and I, I became a graduate trainee after university at London Underground as a marketing trainee. And I always felt that that was going to be my career. But, but shortly after, I moved to another train company as a marketing planning manager four years later. Um, and then I moved into education and academia and set up a few um, businesses along the way. Most notably in 2002, established a private marketing college, London School of Marketing, that I sold in 2005 in a management buyout and then really focused heavily on my academic career um, in terms of helping young people develop ideas, become entrepreneurial, become you know stronger, more capable, more determined, more resilient, which led me in 2016 to discover the country of Rwanda in East Africa, um, where with colleagues I then established um, a local non-government organization called Shibuka. So now I, I live half the year in the UK, so half the year in, 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 in Rwanda, um, where I live with my wife and uh, son and our soon-to-be daughter. Fantastic. Congratulations. on And um, when, when is the due date? Any time from now. I hope, hopefully, because of COVID, you know, the important thing that we recognise now in today's world is that you, you can't control everything. The most important thing is ourselves, our family and our community around us. So... You know, I hope to be back on a flight and hopefully, Michael, yes, I will make it on time. Let's hope so. And you've just talked a little bit about COVID and the pandemic. That's had a huge impact on young entrepreneurs. Tell us a little mm. bit about how you feel that's affected business leaders, entrepreneurs, those involved in, in the world of industry. I, I think certainly whatever level people are at now, the recognition is that the, the world has changed. And of course, for many months, people were talking about the new normal. I think we have to accept that we're now in a new era. Um, 
I remember listening back to a Financial Times seminar back in September last year when Fortune 100 leaders were talking about the pandemic and the impact it had on their leadership style. And I was struck by by one leader of an FT, uh, of a Fortune 100 company, and she said, you know, my staff now just want me to be human. They just want me to be there for them. And I, I think certainly in terms of the environment, people now want a more sustainable, socially aware, socially conscious organization that they are spending their money with as, as a consumer. And certainly people want to work for organizations that are, you know, are more concerned about their welfare in the workplace. And so so business has to change. And and if young people are now thinking about establishing enterprises, you know, be more social, be more aware of sustainable development goals set by the United Nations. Think more about your community. Think how you can create more value for your for them, for your customers, for your community, not just economic value for your for your business. And and be more resilient and accept that you're going to have to pivot quite regularly to the uncertain world that we now live in. Absolutely. And I think so many businesses had to make some very significant and sudden changes strategically in terms of their economic direction of travel, but also reflect upon the values of their company, what they're mm -hmm. trying to represent, their engagement and impact on the world. And I think the pandemic shown to all of us the importance of being a force for good within society. And presumably that's a common theme in the work that you've been doing with, with students both in the UK and in Rwanda as they mm. reflect upon business startups. Absolutely. I mean, what is encouraging now is that for, and I'll look at Rwanda and my students in Westminster. So yesterday, students were pitching their final year concepts for their for their business ideas and what struck us was yes certainly now they are considering more social enterprises than just pure profit the they were storytelling more than they had before so they were telling us more about their backstory why they had created the idea um, and they were also much more aware of how they could contribute to society through the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And I mean, partly we had forced that upon them, but it was interesting that many were prepared to accept that gift we'd given them. Whereas before it was, well, I just want to create a business and I just want to make lots of money. And I think that's changed a lot now. If one looks at how Generation Y um, consumers are now thinking, it's a very different world. Now, you also mentioned about the work we do in, in Rwanda and certainly there, there is a much different mindset to young innovators who certainly want to create something of value for their country, want to contribute to Rwanda's national strategy for recovery and want to contribute to the sustainable development goals. So in a way, young entrepreneurs in Rwanda were always social entrepreneurs and they may not have known it. Um, many create non-government organizations in Rwanda but certainly, you know, it, it's it's a changing world. And we're now seeing that with large commercial organizations that are also trying to tell much more authentic stories and take their responsibility to the planet much more seriously because it's demanded by stakeholders, shareholders and their consumers.
You're listening to Hereford Cathedral School's podcast, HCS, helping children succeed. And tell us a little bit more about the work that you've been doing with Shibuka. What does the word Shibuka mean and what was the motivation for you to to set this up, this organisation? Yeah, so, I mean, as a professor of entrepreneurship, I'm always curious about what's happening in the world. So, so back in 2016, I was struck by the, the, the transformation that had happened in Rwanda. Um, you know, that was 2016, so it's like 24, 25 years then since the genocide against the Tutsi. And I'm struck by the dramatic change that had occurred in the country, the country's contribution and commitment to gender equality, to youth economic empowerment, to women's economic empowerment as well. So with colleagues, we were concerned that but there's no Rwandans in our classrooms. There's there's other Af- students from African nations and there's other European students and South American students, but none from Rwanda. So we wanted to create a bridge between Rwanda and the UK. And we, we created um, an experimental project with students between Westminster and University of Rwanda. And that led to the then Rwanda High Commissioner to the UK, Yamina Karitani, saying, so what next? Because economic development occurs in Rwanda through its people. It's landlocked. It has very few assets. Its assets are its people. So how do you encourage young people to become job creators rather than job seekers? And therefore, the challenge she posed to us was, how can you help achieve that? So, yes, Michael, you're you're right in, you know, we set up Shibuka. We set up Shibuka as purposefully as a local non-government organization, not an international non-government organization. So we were very much seen as a partner with government. And the Shibuka is a beautiful Kinyawanda word that means to to blossom, to, to bloom, to regrow, to come from the earth. And really, that's the way in which we see the the journey for young people when they take an idea. It's like a, a seed. And you plant that seed, you need to nurture it, you need to nourish it. And therefore, hopefully, it then comes through the earth and then it can grow from there. And then as as the young people grow through the earth and become stronger and more sustainable themselves, they can support newer shoots that then come through the earth. So it's a a self-sustaining ecosystem that's developed, which is very exciting. And I wonder if you could maybe share with us one or two illustrative examples of some of the ideas, some of the projects that entrepreneurs in Rwanda have been working on and some of the support that you've given them or Shibuka has given them to help take their ideas forward. I think one of the ideas that's probably closely aligned to your students at HCS is a wonderful program that we've run in Rwanda with Green Hills Academy where we worked very closely with secondary education students, really to help them understand how they could create social enterprise solutions for their community, um, working in teams. And I think that the project was successful because not only did it teach the students technical skills about how to develop a social enterprise and thinking through the pain and struggle that customers have and how are you going to meet those needs how are you going to create market-led solutions how are you going to 
contribute to the sustainable development goals? Which goals are you going to contribute to and why? By working in teams, they also learn about communication, about project management, about accepting that it's not always your idea that's the best idea, that actually it's a collaborative, co-creative effort. And although, and you know, Michael, we started that process back in 2019 before the pandemic. Um, we continued that program on and off, but we're able to continue it and finalize that program, that pilot program in June 2021, when we had a wonderful showcase event when the students were able to pitch their ideas. So I think we've identified in Rwanda that the biggest difference that can be made and where the greatest transformation can happen is within the school system within the further education system. Because again, unlike schools that we're used to in the UK, I would describe it, the word is didactic. It's a very instructional way of learning. So um, there isn't much room for experiential beyond the classroom experiences, perhaps of the like that your students have access to. So it's, it's enabling that to happen and enabling the mindset to become freer, to become more creative, to bring more ideas and collaboration in. And so since then, Michael, we've we run a number of pilot projects. I mean, I was on a call earlier today with people much more experienced in the ecosystem than Shibuka, I think, who have been there for longer. And I think what we're recognizing is you do lots of small pilots, you experiment and you learn by doing. And, and we've done a number of experiments, not just with secondary education students, but also with university students, also with early startup entrepreneurs. We have a wonderful community now with 200 entrepreneurs that are linked virtually beyond the city of Kigali, across Rwanda, reaching rural districts. And I think, again, that's a really important aspect of our work going forwards is the ability to support young people across Rwanda, in the local colleges, in the agricultural districts, because entrepreneurial access to entrepreneurial development should be available to everyone in Rwanda, not just in the cities. Mm, I think that's absolutely true. And in terms of thinking about the curriculum and thinking maybe more mm. broadly around curricula both in a Rwandan context but also in a UK context and maybe even globally what would you say a good school a good educational organization needs to provide for its pupils in order for them to be real world ready in order for them to be able to be equipped for a rapidly changing world maybe especially for those who are thinking about in opening up their own business starting up in an entrepreneurial fashion yeah, so, so I remember when I was doing my A-levels um, a long time ago now that I was able to access this um, organisation called Young Enterprise where we were encouraged to set up companies at school, but real companies with real shareholders developing real products and finding real customers. And I, I think really we need to encourage innovation and entrepreneurship maybe alongside the curriculum to provide entrepreneurial clubs and activities and services so that so that young people can start to learn in a very safe space and learn to accept that failure happens along the way but to learn from our failures and to be guided and supported 
through our failure in order to then look at the problem. Why didn't it work? And how do we make it better next time? Um, I think the, the reality TV culture and social media doesn't always help because so much of life is filtered for young people now. So they, they, they think that you can maybe move from wake up in the morning with an idea, implement it by the evening, and, and, and that will be it. But there's a lot. The, the real entrepreneurial dream is in the work that isn't seen. It's in the challenges. It's in the risks that are taken, the small steps that are taken. And I want to come back to that. Taking baby, baby, baby steps is really important in encouraging young people to try ideas out, to experiment, to learn, and then say, okay, now how do you take it forward to the next stage? There is a process of innovation and there is a process of startup culture. And, and, and certainly um, schools like HCS can provide that environment. And then when those students move into university settings, they're much more equipped, perhaps. I also want to come back to the point about many people talk about soft skills. You know, these skills of character building, of capability building, such as teamwork, project management, um, being resilient, being determined, being confident, being communicative. I don't call them soft skills. They're absolutely fundamentally critical skills that are required in order then to be innovative and to be entrepreneurial. I think that's absolutely true. And certainly that's something that we've always sought to emphasize here. And I think it's fair to say that when somebody's in a job or whether they're starting up a new business or whatever context they're in, no one's asking them how many A-levels have they got or what classification of degree do they have. It's about can they work in a team? Can they be collaborative? Do they have that resilience, that agility, that flexibility to be able to drive things forward? And I also really liked your point about taking those baby steps, that iterative process, which cumulatively it can be yeah. really impactful. And I think also helping young people to learn to fail well, because there's always disappointments, there's always challenges in life, but learning from those experiences is really helpful. And being able to provide an environment where they can fail in a way where there's a support structure in place to be able to get them back on track and for them to be able to understand and learn the lessons from that experience. Learn the lessons from the experience, but also, I think, create the environment where often they can learn most from their peers. So let's create cultures where there is the ability for student-to-student -student collaboration and student-to-student -student reflection. So it's not always, you know, talking to the older people. They can learn solutions along the way themselves. The baby step issue is a very important issue. It's, and we have to keep reminding people, it's okay. You know, it's okay to take small steps. Small steps, as you said, small, small steps. When you look back, you suddenly realize how far you've come in a term, in a semester, in an academic year with, with an idea. Teamwork, absolutely. And I think encouraging young people to go beyond the classroom and take advantage of extracurricular activities. And of course, that's very well understood and um, abundant within organisations such as yours, Michael. But of course, in Rwanda, it isn't. So, you know, providing opportunities for teamwork and collaboration across a country like Rwanda for, for similarly aged people is, is, is certainly something that we need to um, encourage in different parts of the world. And obviously, 
in our conversation today, we're thinking about different cultures and contexts and countries. How important is it, do you feel, that young people in whatever country they're in really have a global perspective? It's very easy, isn't it, I think, for each of us to think about our own local environment and perhaps not think sufficiently broadly in in kind of broader global mm. terms. It, it's 2020 vision, perhaps, you know. I mean, you have to think, think global and you have to think local. For example, I see examples in, in Rwanda where students or innovators take an idea from another country and think it's going to work in their community. It doesn't. It doesn't happen like that. And there's, there's much scholarly research in the global marketing field which supports that. You know, you need to adapt. And there's many big organizations that have failed in not adapting their products to the local market. Equally, you're absolutely right that a global perspective is fundamental these days because we are so interconnected with each other. And the pandemic proves that, you know, we are totally connected globally. You know, everything, something that happens somewhere in the world has an impact where we happen to be. And so we do have to understand the environment. We have to have our radar on working at all times to appreciate what is happening globally and how that might impact on us locally. And I think also there's a lot spoken about knowledge transfer. I think I'd like to regard much more of the work that needs to be encouraged as knowledge exchange, because certainly Rwandans can learn from people in the UK and certainly people in the UK can learn from Rwandans. And I I think part of the work that Shibuka wants to do now is to to take a more of a Pan-Africa approach where you know, you have Rwandans and Kenyans and Ugandans and Ghanaians and Cameroonians, you know, working with each other, exploring opportunities with each other and, and discovering how they could work together to solve solutions across their continent. So, yeah, I mean, it's a long way of saying it, but the global local perspective is vital for any young person to understand today. That's really helpful to hear and heartening to hear also in the way that the model that, that you've just articulated does have that pan-African approach. It does have that sustainable element to it, and it's helping and supporting communities. I suspect that some of our listeners will be thinking about setting up their own businesses, maybe in a UK context, maybe maybe overseas. Mm. What would you say might be the one or two key pieces of advice that they should think about at this stage? I mean, be, be passionate about something. So, you know, be passionate about what it is you want to do. Um, it's got to be authentically yours. So really, if you've got an idea and there, uh, there are millions of ideas yet to be developed and created, then, you know, think of the idea and really then start to you have access to the students have access to Google. Just do some research. See what else is out there like your idea. Do not be disheartened. See how you can differentiate your idea. Think about what is going to be unique about what it is you want to create. So really, you know, be passionate about something. Recognize that this is a journey. It's going to take, you know, be patient with it. Patience is a very important part of of the entrepreneurial journey from student to innovator, from innovator to founder of a business, and then from founder to entrepreneur. Think about the steps you need to take right now. And, and think about the resources you've got around you that can help you and the network you've got already. You might be surprised, you know, in terms of family and friends and friends of family that could also provide some input and some advice. So be, be open minded, be inquisitive, be curious, 
be passionate about the idea that you want to create. And that's a good starting point. That's really sound advice. And Daryl, we ask all our guests on the show this final and really important question. What would be your key message to parents, to educators, to young people who might be listening to this podcast to help children succeed? Parents, you know, be, be, be supportive, guide your children in the best way you possibly can, allow them to be curious and inquisitive and to discover new ideas. But for, for teachers to recognise that as teachers and professors, we do not have all the answers, that actually the young people are, are teaching us a lot about the world as much as we're helping to teach them. But, I mean, for students, just be there for each other and recognise the power of collaboration and recognise the power of community and recognise how you can co-create ideas between you that perhaps you hadn't dreamt of before. And I think... Ultimately, together, you know, create a very supportive ecosystem around your, your, your children so that they can thrive and prosper and do the best they can. Daryl, I'm so grateful to you for joining us today in the studio. It's been a real joy to have you on the show. Thank you for your wisdom, for your insights, for your perspectives. It's been really informative and really useful. And I know that everyone will really have benefited from, from this. Thank you, Michael. It was a pleasure to be with you as well. And thank you also to you, our listeners. Please do share these podcasts with friends and families so that we can widen our impact on society and so that together we can help children succeed. This podcast, Helping Children Succeed, is brought to you by Hereford Cathedral School. For more details, please visit our website, Hereford cs.com